Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Tough on Art. My name is Jen Tuff and I'm really grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for listening. There's a couple things that I wanna let you know. If you're an artist, you might be interested in two art fair collectives that I have coming up. It's an artist collective I'm putting together for Art Expo Dallas, which is in September, and also Red Dot Miami, which is November 30th through December 4th during Miami Art Week. What makes these opportunities really cool is that you don't have to rent the booth out yourself and do all of the hard work and the traveling. I'm going to do all that stuff for you. And this collective is really awesome because you also get 100% minus any processing fees for any work that sells. So if you're interested in either one of these fairs, Dallas is a new fair, which is kind of cool um, in that it is really, it's working in conjunction with an interior design fair, a market in Dallas. So if you're interested in connecting with interior designers, this is definitely a fair that you're going to want to look into. So this is an application-only process, like I mentioned. All you need to do is go to gentuff.com, and you're going to see on that homepage how you can apply to either one of these fairs. And I really hope that you do this. Something I hear a lot from artists is that, you know, they they really hate the idea. It's really daunting and sort of um, not something they want to take on themselves because it, it's a huge process to do an art fair on your own. So this is a way to really get your work out there, seen and seen by thousands and thousands of people um, and be represented by a gallerist, which would be me. So go to gentuff.com and you can apply there. So welcome to the show and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tough on Art. This is Jen Tough. And today I'm super excited to have Sarah Boyts Yoder here. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jen. So How nice are you? Here. I'm doing really well. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. It's really good to talk to you. And we had to make like a million different like schedule changes, my fault. So I appreciate your <laughs> um, cooperation, patience. Such is life. Always flexibility is the is the best thing to be able to do. <laughs> I know, right? So tell me where you are right now. So right now I am in what I call my uh, quarantine studio, which is not where I'm usually always working. But when um, my kids, who are now 14 and 12, um, when the pandemic unleashed itself on all of us and they had to come home from school and do school at home, I packed up all my paints and stuff from the studio I was working in and brought them out here, which is this little shed. And it's in the backyard of my house. And uh, my father-in-law had kind of tricked it out into a music, like a practice studio. So it's truly a little micro studio space. Like he did insulation and drywall and there's a floor and a little desk on one end and lights. And um, it became my real like concentrated awesome uh space and I felt so lucky because so many people were really displaced not just artists from studio space but work and home and everything was really scary you know with the thinking back to that time no one knew what was really going on it was terrifying it was like oh my gosh the kids what's happening like is life done as we know it sort of and so this is the little um my little hideaway shed where I worked for that time. And I still come back here. My, the studio that I have now, the internet is like really bad. So, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> it helps me focus when I'm over there, but here yeah. it's great. Nice and quiet. I can be alone. 
Yeah. Oh, that is so lucky. And you know what you saying that, you know, you had to go home because your kids were, were, you know, had to be home from school. So many women artists I know had to do the exact same thing. Like, oh God, okay. How am I going to do this? So all of a sudden, you know, all the moms were, Mm -hmm. you know, having to teach their kids and, you know, work, you know, from home as they're in, it was so much pressure and so much, um, responsibility that we weren't expecting. Yes. Felt, you know, I'm a mom too. So yeah, it kind of fell on our shoulders like, oh shit. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, it happened so fast. It was yeah. like March 14th, you know, it really was, you know, like night and day, all of a sudden everybody's hit with this new reality Yeah. and you have kids and you're the one who's got to figure that out. It's like right away, whole yeah. world is turned upside down. I think uh, I read this. A- go ahead. Oh, I think I read a stat one time recently that it was about like a quarter of the workforce that were women left the workforce yeah. during COVID. And, yeah. you know, that's not even talked about enough. Mm-mm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, incredible. It, you know, because it, part of me is like, well, hey, wait a minute. How come it's just, you know, our job mm-hmm. to make sure that the kids are learning and, you know, having to, you know, teach them and, you know, try to keep our job or, you know, quit or, you know, you know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of to keep trying to juggle everything, keep something going on a lot of fronts, you know, right. even more so than usual. Yeah. I right. felt so lucky that our kids, um, you know, there's no good age to have to sit out unless you're a middle school girl and you can miss <laughs> seventh or eighth grade and you can do it at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about that before we started recording about like, oh, yay. Who loves middle school? Who looks yeah. back on those days and go, they were fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but you know, they're independent. They can work their computers. They can interact with their teachers. They can sit still. They were like, weren't missing super formative, uh, school times, like some, you know, kindergartners, rising first graders, or on the other end, like people graduating from high school or going to their first year of college. All in all, I, you know, I felt pretty lucky to have this space, have space at our house, you know, that the kids could be, and we have internet and, um, as a person, I mean, I felt lucky to, I always feel lucky to be an artist, but I felt especially lucky um, at that time because I did have a flexible schedule and I already in my practice feel like I love to figure out how to make something work, like how to take whatever it is that you have and figure out how to put it together and or figure out ways to introduce you know, things to be able to respond to. Like so much of it's about being responsive and adaptable and flexible already in my art practice. And, um, you know, that can bleed over, hopefully a lot of times in your other, uh, you know, the other parts of your life. And I feel like it did uh, for us, you know, in our family over the last pandemic COVID times. So Yeah. I mean, being an artist, definitely you have, you have to make your own schedule. You have to prioritize, you know, you're, you you know, you're kind of always like putting out fires, just like, you know, it is, it's a micro business. That's what I call it. I mean, you, you really have to run your own show, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you have galleries and um, even if you, you know, have, you know, people that you work with that buy art or, you know, you still have to prioritize, you know, your time, how much marketing you're going to do, how much money you're going to spend on yourself, you know, for advancing your career, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. but there, but the upside is that you get that flexibility because it, right. it is your own business. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. It's again, it's a lot to keep track of, but 
I feel like, you know, I, I probably are all artists would say this, like it's, it's totally worth it. I mean, the, the fire, the drive at the bottom of all of it is, you know, working and it's whatever you have to do to let yourself keep working is worth it. So tell me about your background. Tell me about, you know, how you got to be where you are now. I know it's probably going to be a long story, but go ahead. Well, I don't try to make it too long. It's not that interesting, but um, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and I am one of four kids and I'm the oldest and um, I'm, I'm happy I was the oldest for lots of reasons, but um, one of them was we were, we were all born like within two years of each other. So the, the, it was from like 1980 to 89 was just like, it was really busy <laughs> at our house. And I had a lot of freedom and a lot of, um, my mom was like a, a preschool teacher, like early education person. So her vibe was really like a lot of raw materials around and, um, you know, thank God there was no cell phones and not really TV. And so there was a lot of, uh, imagining and just playing. And, uh, luckily in Fort Worth, there are stellar museums, um, the Kimball art museum, Eamon Carter and the modern art museum of Fort Worth is there. And I had great teachers in middle school and high school and art teachers. And, um, there was a program in high school called the young artist apprenticeship program. And so they picked like a couple students or your teacher nominated you, you know, from the high schools in the city. And you got to go to the modern art museum in Fort Worth. And like, I think it was about a month and you would go like a couple of days every weekend and spend the day there. And it was this totally like behind the scenes experience and we were back in some of the classrooms and we got to see sort of some of the inner workings and some of it was, there was like a teaching element. And um, that was a real formative experience for me because I loved my art classes. I always sort of had been creative and you know would, was doing painting stuff at home as a kid and drawing all the time. And uh, to sort of see what like just to see this like institution and and be behind the scenes was um really fantastic I remember specifically that it's so fuzzy in my mind but it was almost like the, the lesson was okay here's all these like found objects on this table I want you all to uh take a few of them and basically like make a sculpture like make something oh I love that I was like what and it was a it was a totally like a reactive sort of responsive experiment outside of anything I'd ever done or thought about or thought was like possible to do. And here we were some being asked to do this. And then, you know, I, I remember the thing that I put together and it was sort of this like soft pink. It might have been a piece of fabric. And then there was a harder kind of circle, other object. And I like put them up on the wall in this way that I thought was like okay, like, okay, this is my thing. I love this. And, and the, the teacher was like, you know, great. And I was like, wow, you can do this. this. (laughs) I was just going to say that. Yeah. You could do this. This is a thing. Yeah. (laughs) And some of that was about like, 
oh, my instinct in this moment, in a, in a moment that was otherwise pretty foreign to me, was valid. And, and it was like taken as taken seriously, you know, and um, I saw some one, they have a wonderful uh, permanent collection and they have a huge uh, Joan Mitchell that's amazing. And it's, you know, monumental in size and it's got this magenta paint and it's really gloppy. And they have um, a, one of Robert Motherwell's, um, the elegy paintings, the black and white ones that are really long and horizontal and drippy. Yes. Love them. And I think there was also, uh, there was also a, a Chrysophily painting that was like the Madonna. And it was one of the ones that had, I think it had the elephant dung like glued to the surface. And there was like a really pink color there. So my brain was like in its, it was really on. And I got to be in a space that really let me uh, see a bigger picture than I really had ever seen. You know, like we weren't going to galleries on the weekends and we weren't traveling to New York or other places. So I just feel so lucky to have grown up and been able to have an experience like that at the museum um, and to be in a place that had, that had access to contemporary art. And so I, um, I kind of was like, well, all right, I'm going to just major in art when I get to college. So I ended up finishing undergrad at um, Eastern New Mexico University, actually, which is in Portales. And um, I love New Mexico. So I did my um, Bachelor of Fine Arts in painting. I sort of was like, love painting to the end. I'm, I was like, that's what I want to do. And, um, and then and we were really close to Santa Fe, like three hours. So it was fun to go up there like on weekends and see art and be in that big, beautiful sky and all those colors, amazing. Um, and then I decided, I, I was really like, I remember an undergrad taking a art education class. Cause I was like, what am I gonna do? Yes. Maybe I can be a teacher. <laughs> at first I was like, maybe I could be an art therapist or because I, I I really like loved kids and I was like, maybe that maybe I could do that. I don't know. Maybe I can be an art teacher. And I took one education class and I was like, no, I can't do this. <laughs> and um I'm I honestly not sure what I thought I was gonna do, but thank God uh one of my professors at Eastern New Mexico was like look, have you thought about going to graduate school? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really know what that is. Like, that seems really hard. Like, it seems like really hard to get in. Like, I have no idea how to do that. And um, a couple of those professors really said, I think you can, number one, and here's how you should do it and what to do. And if you want to be able to be an artist, you need to like the best job sort of that you could have to also be able to be an artist is to like teach at a university and be a professor or professor. I was like, Oh, God, thank God. great. Okay. That's what I'll do. And um, I'm so thankful for that advice because um, I really wasn't sure what, what I was going to do. And I had sort of, I, I just love painting. I just loved working and that seemed that was like really the natural next step and so I went straight from undergrad into graduate program and I went to uh James Madison University in Harrisonburg Virginia and um 
my husband, Matt, he and I, we got together a really long time ago when we were pretty young. And I really see that um, I'm lucky to have him, but also to have had like a partner in all of that. Um, because it is sort of, it is like this really wide open world. And, and sometimes it helps. I mean, I think about this in my art practice that you sort of improvise within a structure, you know, there is sort of a, uh, what's that called? The paradox of choice. If you have unlimited choices, you can really be frozen. Absolutely. And taking, you know, these steps forward in life with someone else who was also making decisions on their school and their career really helped me to kind of focus in and figure out, okay, where, okay, how long, okay, what? And um, thank goodness, James, I, I applied at James Madison and I, I was accepted and I got a, an assistantship and that really helped financially. And um, thank goodness it was a three-year program. If it would have been two years, I would have like flopped out. Like my first year was hard because it was, it's, you know, graduate school is a lot of studio hours, which means that structure kind of that I was talking about, those guardrails are, aren't really there. It's like, all right, your crit, you know, group panel is going to show up in three weeks. So let's see what you have. <laughs> yeah. And um, that was hard for me to figure out. And again, you know, some of the best advice didn't always come in a very nice way, but with hindsight, I see it things a little differently, but I remember one of my first critiques in at JMU and they were like, okay, we got it. Like you're good at making beautiful abstract paintings. So what? Like, Ooh, what else is there? Yeah. And I was like, that's exactly what I did. I was like, Ooh, okay. It can't all just be my emotion and my formal sensibilities and my ability to make a strong composition and whatever. And so I had to really, it was really daunting and I had to really work through um, a lot of that. And, uh, and I still think it, it was such a, I was really floored. I mean, it was like, okay, here's the real world. <laughs> uh, but it was also a great question. And especially as someone who from a, a young age, I remember being in elementary school and seeing this sort of like we were in art class and it was this sort of blotchy watercolor thing. And I saw clearly a picture in it. So as somebody who was responding and had a mind that enjoyed abstraction and enjoyed the gray area and was fine with the ambiguity and not knowing, um, and being like a feeling person in the world, how do you figure out like what to make your work about or of, or how to talk about it? You know, it took, it took a while to do that. And I'm so thankful for, you know, Ken Schmaggy was my advisor and he was a wonderful, awesome painter. He recently retired from JMU, um, but he was also an abstract painter. And that was really lucky because, it, you know, there's a lot of shorthand, I think, there's like a lot of language that you don't even have to use as language, you, you know, when you're, he understood, I think where I was coming from when I didn't necessarily understand it. And so he could give me good advice and ask me the right questions and uh, 
lead, you know, lead into interesting, hopefully interesting answers or interesting places. So um, yeah, I was there for three years and did my MFA in painting. And, um, and then right away, pretty much right away, my husband still had a year of school for himself. And so we got married and went down to Blacksburg. He was at Virginia Tech finishing. And then he went and did a, uh, he had to do an internship in Charleston, South Carolina. And so we went there for that. And uh, both of our kids were born in Charleston. He ended up getting a job. There's a huge VA hospital uh, in Charleston. So he worked there as a clinical psychologist for, I guess it's been six or seven years. And then we decided to make the move up uh, back here to Virginia to be closer to some of his family. And um, the schools here are good. It's, it's a good place. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Charleston's beautiful. It is beautiful. Or, or, wait, Charlottesville or, or Charleston? Sorry. We lived in, in Charleston. Okay. Now I live in Charlottesville. Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There, it's it's like one was the queen and one was the king. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm a little clueless with that 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 part of the country. I'm sorry. I'm still. I'm Thank a little. You. I saw Growing the Grateful up, Dead there in in uh, like 1983. I think. Maybe, maybe you remember it. <laughs> What's that? Maybe you remember it. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. Yeah, but I I haven't done a ton of traveling there, so I'm I forgive my um my stupidity. Okay. Growing up in Texas, and then almost all of my other extended family is directly north in Kansas, um, just north of Wichita, and like that's where we went for trips. So when my husband and I first were together, and I went to Virginia to visit for the first time, I was like what is this place? Yeah. But yeah. It's really so, different, isn't it? so different. And he and I laugh because we were driving in on the, into Charlottesville, into Virginia on the highway. And there's just these like tall trees all the way up against the highway, either side. Yeah. And I was like, it's too great. I'm, it's too green and there's no horizon line and where's the sky and the sunset and the sunrise and, and, you know, we'll be out West at, you know, in Texas or Kansas or New Mexico, anywhere. We were just in West Texas. It was amazing. And he has the same feeling, but for the exact different reason, it's like, where am I? There's nothing to orient me. Where's the like yeah. landmarks in the landscape, the mountains and the bank of trees. And uh, it's just, it's so interesting to me how space really affects your point of view and, you know, even as an artist, like how you're working or what you're trying to get at. I think about that for myself with space, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is so different there compared to like the West coast. I remember yes. I was just telling my daughter the other day, um, we've had all this wind lately here in Santa Fe and, um, there's all these tumbleweeds everywhere and, I always laugh at them and like make voices like they're, you know, when they're running across the road in front of us and stuff. And, um, and I remember the first time I saw a tumbleweed, I thought they were fake. I thought it was just something you saw on Bugs Bunny on like Roadrunner and, you know, and, but they're, yeah, they're, it's like, it's totally different. And, you know, I grew up in Ohio, so it's kind of similar environment sort of to where, um, to where you guys are with the green anyway, and the flat, well, you guys have more Hills in Ohio, but yeah, a little bit more. 
Yeah, it's also amazing. You know, we can take the train up to New York and it's everything's so close there. Well, close. <laughs> we drove up to New York or we drove somewhere. And I was like, what do you mean? We just went through four states. I know. Like, it's been like an hour. You know, you have to drive 10 hours to get out of Texas from any point. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> Texas is insane. It takes like two days to drive across Texas. And that's like a, what, yeah. like a 10, eight or 10 hour drive, right? Like each day. Yeah. 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 It's huge. It is it's huge. True. Texas is massive. Massive. Yeah. We just went, um, uh, we were out, we were in Fort Worth and drove out to uh, West Texas out to Terlingua, which is near Big Bend. And we went through Marfa and it's just an amazing landscape. Like it was a long drive, but I was really happy to be out like in the wide open. And there's just like a lot of really nothing. It's very flat and you know, the sky and, you know, I get how it's unnerving and then you get, you know, farther, it's really close to the border with Mexico and it's beautiful landscape. I love, I love that. Um, I love that scene. It's the light. It's really dramatic. I love the desert landscape. Like everything is sort of has, everything has to be a little bit tricky. Like it has to be clever, like even all the plants, because it's so dry or, you know, one season with sort of low rain or something, and it really affects the next year. And so things really like are kind of closed in on themselves and you have to look up really close and see, oh, that thing, that beautiful little plant, it is alive, or there's a little flower there. We were there right before the spring, like blooms come on all of the sort of cactuses and a lot of those desert plants. And so I see pictures and it's like another world, a whole other landscape, this green, but for a while it's all sort of gray and sort of hardened, but I really love that toughness. Yeah. It's like another world. It's like another planet or something in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it kind of reminds me of like a dried out fish aquarium too. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I tell my daughter anyway. Like, oh, it's just... No. <laughs> yeah. It's um, but it's beautiful. And it's there's like a psychological thing too, right? With those huge open spaces. That's it kind of for me, it kind of makes me feel like there's no limitations. Like you can see so far ahead and everything's so big. And um I guess, you know, it can feel sort of insular, maybe, you know, like when you're um my parents live in Washington, which state, which is um you know, they have all those evergreens that are like, you know, when you're driving down the roads, like, you know, what you were describing, it's really similar. It's like these tunnels of green, you know, and um, the light is so different up North. They're in Port Townsend, which is like, you know, pretty much as far North as you can get in the continental U S you know? um, And the light is just, it's so different. And my dad, my father actually doesn't like coming, you know, I spent most of my life in Los Angeles, which has a really similar light to here in Santa Fe. He doesn't Mm -hmm. like it at all. He likes that sort of gloomy, (laughs) you know, like long shadow light, you know, just. And that's really real. I mean, of course it depends on your own personality and sensibilities, but it's really real. I mean, like light travels differently in in the air depending on if there's more moisture or if there's more wind moving you know all that all, we were even talking about that out in Terlingua like I feel like we you can smell things better because that there's just nothing in the air to block like the movement of 
yeah. Bacon, particles, waves, something. There's there's something that's really true about that that I think. Yeah. If, if you look at a lot of my work, actually, um, I often will put a line, like a pretty straight line, you know, three quarters of the way down. And I really think that's a horizon line. I think about it that way. I didn't at first. And then I was like, it's totally a horizon line. And a lot of, you know, when I'm painting, when at the end, I'm like, oh yeah, I was, I'm trying to get at some sense of space, you know, and that's one way to orient yourself. It's like, where am I? And then where's the end of what I can see? It's mm-hmm. you know, that line on the horizon. And then there's, you know, room up above for lots to happen or interact. Yeah. But it's from growing up somewhere and all the time seeing that line everywhere. Yeah. And those gigantic spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of your, a lot of your work to me, um, w- one of the things that really drew me to your work was your sense of composition. Is that something that you are consciously aware of? Is it a combination of instinctual and um, more sort of elements that you consciously put in there? Or what's your process with that? Because as an abstract, basically non-representational painter, what is your? how do you approach composition? Are you even aware of it or just let it all come like, you know, as, as you're working? Or can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I would say that I'm mostly... I mean, right. Like I'm, I'm not going to totally ignore sort of considering the whole piece. And, you know, it's a lot of those formal elements that you sort of are trained in, but a lot of it is really instinctual for me. And a lot of it has so much to do um, with interact interactions and that's with color, you know, that'll often dictate where I end up putting a shape or what I might cover up or what I might introduce. And a lot of that's about like a color relationship that I might see coming and try to focus in on or a color relationship that's like a total surprise. And I'm like, oh, that's it. And and that sort of becomes uh, the thing that you can catch. But, you know, I was talking earlier about that comment in my grad school critique about like, okay, you can make abstract paintings, what else, what else, so what? And, um, you know, there's, it's a, it's tricky to make a piece that is abstract and that's like non-representational, but is still inviting and approachable. And I, part of making it inviting and approachable is almost giving the painting like a subject or I say this really loosely, like a story, like a thread of a story. You know, when I'm thinking about, I I do have this sort of cast of characters and forms and shapes that I repeat all the time in my work. And um, those, I really do think about them because I've I sort of, they developed so gradually and I know them so intimately they do take on these traits or like uh, positions or um, like, what's the word? I can't think of it. Affectations almost. And I don't mean that I make them human, but they do have an action or something in some way. And that's part of that interactive effect. So sometimes the composition is... 
people often ask about the titles of my work. And this has something to do with what the question you asked about the composition, because the title always comes at the end. And I always feel like that's the last thing that sort of gets revealed to me in the process. It's like you're working, you're working, you're working. And all of a sudden there's this delightful moment that's like, oh, that's what they're doing. Or that's what that is. And it always makes me, it's the best part of what I think abstraction can do, which is like start from somewhere real that we all could recognize that we all know about in the world and little by little take away all of the detail, all of the like context clues until you're at some kind of elemental center that in the process of removing all those layers, taking them away, you're actually adding potential for meaning, potential for story, potential for uh, in interaction, you know, which is, is sort of a, there's this, um, I think some artist must have said it, but the, or an art critic in an article, uh, less precise, more evocative. And I love that. I think about that all the time. And I think that's what good abstraction can do. That's a great way of putting that. Great. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, compositionally, it's all tied together. So there's like the colors interacting, there's those forms sort of interacting and emerging. And then whatever, you know, sort of wherever it ends up. And then I love the tight, I love titling things because I, I see them as being a really important tool for people to be able to approach the work as a really important way in. And I'm always so delighted because uh, I find that when I look at other paintings, I, that's the feeling that always like grabs me emotionally is it's like, oh, you look at that. <laughs> look at that. I never would have thought that. I never would have saw that. That's a surprise or that's funny or that's clever yeah. and joyful and playful. And, um, and I always want the work to read, you know, quickly as inviting. Yes. I want everybody to feel invited. Everybody's on the inside. Nobody's on the outside. No one's excluded. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not used to looking a painting or you think abstraction is weird, it's not for you, or that there's some inside joke that already right. there and you don't get it. Right, so right, right. I, can't, I can't even interact with this painting, even though, oh my God, I love that color. Like That's my color. I love that purple, but I don't know what this painting's about. So it's not for me. That's the thing that I really want to avoid. That's, and I try, I hope that the work is, has that sort of playful tone or posture. That's the word I was trying to think of earlier. And that it's inviting and it says like, come look, look what's here. Like, see, here's what she titled it. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I see what she saw. That's a really good step. And then the second step, which is what I hope, and it's the best one, is that someone says, well, here's what I see. And they made a jump into the work and brought it back into their story or their sensibility or their self. And look how fun that can be to sort of look at something that I'm not sure, not knowing is really hard. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. But I always felt like, can we make that a 
joyful thing and not a frustration. Yeah. How can I do that in my paintings? Because it's important to practice that. You know, it's important to practice um, sitting with something that you're not sure what it is, but you, but you kind of like it. Let me see. Take a little time. And of course, the best thing is if someone sees something new in the work every time. Um, I just remembered again, one of my favorite moments, I think it was in, um, you know, Oprah had her, not her map, what was it? Not her masterclass thing, but she would like interview people. Oprah was interviewing Stephen Colbert and she was asking him like, what are you trying to do? Like, what are you getting at? You know, what are you, what are you about? Are you trying to do what's up? And he's like, you know, I'm not trying to change. I'm not trying to change how you think, but I am trying to change how you feel because if you're laughing, you're thinking. And if you're thinking, you're not fearful. And I, that really hit home to me. And it's, you know, as it can be about the paintings, but it's like goes so much deeper at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I always thinking like, how can I invite people to into this painting and, um, you know, joy, joyfully and playfully, and then you can, your brain can turn on and start, you know, doing its own thing and working that imagination. That's so unique to us as human beings. It's such an important thing to be able to exercise and use. And, uh, if we can get good, you know, on this low stakes, thing looking at a painting then when it comes to higher stakes things in our real lives and between each other and people we've we are like a little bit further ahead yeah wow that's a really that's that's deep Sarah (laughs) (laughs) no but it's true I mean it's all about like connecting people right for sure you know like people connecting to the work you connecting to the to the viewer Yes. And, you know, is that, is that something that you're, as far as connecting to the viewer? So that's obviously something that you must think about, you know, kind of in and out as you're working on these pieces about that mm-hmm. connection that, you know, mm-hmm. bringing people in, I, I think inviting that word inviting is a, is a, is a great summation. You know, one of the words that I would definitely use for your work. Um, Cause you have this, you have this, um, it, it's not as intimidating as like maybe like that more action painters or the, you know, Joan Mitchell, you know, um, because it, it, it has those sort of, um, uh, you know, animated shapes and mm-hmm. colors. And yeah, I mean, that's so the, the invitation to, to explore more is definitely there. It's a really interesting way that you put it. Yeah. I felt invited in myself, you know, I mentioned Robert Motherwell earlier as one of the big paintings at um, the Modern Art Museum in Fort Worth. So I loved Robert Motherwell. I loved Richard Diebenkorn and I loved um, Joan Mitchell. I love that those action painters, the abstract expressionists, because I got that because I felt it myself that paint is emotion. There's feeling really in painting, in the paint that you can unlock. Like I had, I experienced that but there was, I felt for me, there was just something lacking that wasn't there. You know, there wasn't this lightness. A lot of that work is really heavy and kind of dark. Mm-hmm. And there was sort of a lightness, cleverness, playfulness that was more about like engaging in the world instead of deep inside of me. Like, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't really want to go there. I'm yeah. more interested in that 
interaction. And, and so I'm mentioning inviting when I saw Elizabeth Murray's work for the first time, I, I was like, she's it. She's what I'm talking about. <laughs> painting, and I see the emotion in her paint. I see her paint. Yeah. She's a painter with a capital P, but her work was funny and it was awkward and it was playful and yeah. it had elements of this world in it. You know, sometimes she had these domestic objects in these crazy shaped paintings that were, one of her paintings is called bloop. There was like bloopy and cartoony. <laughs> That's one of my favorite and words. I'm such a good <laughs> word. And uh, I was like, this is, you know, this is it. And, and I also really, really love Amy Silman's work for, for some of those same reasons. There's an awkwardness there and like a willingness to really like straddle the line between abs- total abstraction and things that we really recognize or can grab onto. And um, that felt like this uh, introduction and invitation into it unlocked this other part that I was like, that's the, that's the part that I'm missing, you know? And um, so I really credit those two painters for being an important, um, their guides, you know, really in, in sort of how to be in the world and um, enjoy it and look at it yeah, and, and be with something. And, um, you know, the, I think about the other word I think about all the time is, is that feeling of being connected. I think a lot of artists, they would use, there's a lot of different words you could use, but everyone asks, well, how do you know when something is finished? And, um, there's a really distinct feeling of I'm connected, Mm. like a connection. Um, and I don't even care. I mean, I don't even know exactly what that means or to connected to what, but I sense that it's, you know, there's me and then there's sort of the world and all of the things that have gone into my experience in it and all of our experiences in it. And then people who potentially in the future might see this thing that I made and feel connected because that's, I feel connected to that force or that experience in this deep way. And that's like a really guiding emotion. It is emotion Uh, in the studio when you're working. I, it's like, you know, to keep going back to invited, like I feel invited in, it feels so lucky. That's why there's such an emotional roller coaster when you're working because you finish a piece and you get that connectedness alignment. It's this feeling of, wow, I was able to touch some space that through this working, I, I understand that it's there and it's amazing and I can't always get it. I can't always get at it, but sometimes I can. And that's this feeling that you're always, always chasing. And, uh, and it always feels a little bit like, wow, I really got away with something. I'll never be able to do that again, which is why the blank canvas is so stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Do you work on more than one piece at once simultaneously? Yes, I do. For mostly for those reasons that, um, I find that it's important to be able to like 
both zone in and really zone out at the same time. I, I know a lot of artists would also say like, yes, the best parts were like the things that came up out of nowhere or this surprise on the periphery that I wasn't tracking, but thank God, like I was sort of checked out just enough to let that happen, but tuned in just enough to see that from the corner of my eye and stop, like take my hands away. And, you know, that, that actually, that space is that middle ground, that in-between state where I'm like, I'm not sure what this is, but I've, I'm, but I'm in between a knowing and a real deep knowing of some kind. And so can I like get away with being in that space and can I make something happen there? Right. That's really interesting. I like how you explain that. So tell me about where your, you know, your professional development, how did that, how did that go for you? I mean, you, you have, I represent you and I know you've, is it page bond gallery? Is that the other one that, okay. And <laughs> great. I, I remember the name, which is rarity, but, and you're also doing um, rug design, right? Yes. That has been How really is that working. It's the best, it's the best thing. And it's actually separate uh, from anything else. And um, she's actually my studio mate now, but a friend of mine, Tracy Love has um, a small business called Holding Forth. And she developed this relationship um, with a rug dealer named Amir and his brother. And they have a design studio in Marrakesh. And she's, she's been like, you know, directly buying Moroccan rugs from him and selling them here. And uh, I was helping her photograph them for a while. And they're just there because I was like, Tracy, I'm happy to help you. I just want to like, look at these. I mean, they're amazing. They're each one is a work of art. They really are like, in the best ways to me, you know, they're sort of symmetrical, they're asymmetrical, they're narrative. They have these abstracted symbols that are repeated. The color yes. is beyond the compositions. I mean, they're really so special. And uh, so I was happy doing that. And we, we, it was one of those things where we sort of fell into this idea where um, she's like, well, let's just, this is all on WhatsApp. She's like, let's WhatsApp Amir like two digital images of a couple of your pieces and just send them over to him and, and see what happens. And, you know, like a couple months later, she sends these photos back of this Moroccan rug. That is oh, wow. Great. How cool. And it's so cool. Yeah. And I feel like it's important to say that there's no, like, we're not checking for color accuracy. We're not like asking them to send progress shots so that we can right. make sure it's going right. It's totally just trusting like, them. Totally. Yeah. It's like yeah. artists playing a game of telephone. Like, here's an idea. You guys take this idea and in your world with your materials and your sensibilities, you make your thing, you know, from, from this. So it's a beautiful like translation. Right. And, um, it's just this delightful surprise every time because, uh, it, it, it's similar. It's like you may, they're, they're making this with what they have there. And a lot of it is affected by, you know, it is they're handmade. It's not with a machine or anything and there's wool and it's being dyed and it has to dry in the sun. And if it's cloudy, it's going to take longer. And does that affect the color of the dye? And so it's just this really amazing thing. And to see how sometimes they'll take one, you know, compositional element and like the scale of it will really change and they'll shrink it down 
And then other times they'll, they'll put in like this little tiny drip that was on the painting randomly. They'll weave that into the, the rug. And it's just, it's just awesome. I, it's been such a wonderful thing to do. It's, it's sort of this collaborative thing that we've been doing kind of on the side. And I just feel like it's such a lucky thing to be able to be a part of. <laughs> that's so cool. I love that. The rugs are so much better than the paintings always. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's kind of cool to see someone else like creating your, you know, making something tangible, you know, in a different way, you know, a different sort of iteration of the, yeah. yeah. And it's like a different way for people to, to live with your, with your work. Yes. And each one is just the one there's not, you know, there's not, they don't make five of the one design. It's sort of these one-off things really special. It's really inspiring. I mean, even just thinking about, uh, the women who are weaving and, you know, they're, they're in their own focus flow place. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of rich, like images in my mind, there, color and things like that. So that's been really fun, really fun. Yeah. My sister in Los Angeles, actually for years designed, um, rugs wow. and, um, she, uh, she worked for this very prestigious, uh, company. I, I won't say who it is, but, um, mm-hmm in the um, Pacific design center. And, you know, they would send off, they do these designs, like, you know, people would come in, they describe what they want. And then she would do these like really intense, you know, gouache, you know, corners, just like a corner of the rug. And then they decide like, is it going to be a Kaleem? Is it going to be, you know, what, what kind of rug is it going to, I don't know what they all are. So, but, you know, decide what kind of rug it was. And it was, um, it was, it would take people like a year sometimes to make these, yes. you know, but her, she did get to do one for Goldie Hawn. So that was really fun. And she was cool. super nice. So that was That's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, it was, she didn't get paid nearly as much as she should, of course, but, um, That's you know, good. she was, she was right out of art school. So it was, yeah. you know, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But I, I didn't even know that that kind of thing existed. Like, oh, you can, you know, yeah, yeah it's, it's, that's great. Thing. it's like the connection between people. I mean, it really, yes. that's all this world boils down to really, it's like, you know, relationships and that there's wonderful, amazing things that can come out of them. It, this, this, that collaboration project makes me feel like, wow, the world is so big and the world is so small at yeah. the same time. I love it for that's one of the reasons that I think is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a neat opportunity. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how did you go about, um, working with galleries and how did you, how did you, once you got out of grad school, what was your trajectory after that? What were your goals? Um, I was really, so I want to also say, cause I was thinking about this, um, you know, the, another thing that I, I really wanted to go to graduate school, and I it, it was true that I didn't really know that much about it, but I also had this growing sense. I mean, you don't have to be like a female in the world for too long to realize that uh, you you might not get taken seriously all the time. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> really? A nice way to Never had it. that happen to me. <laughs> And a really big part of me, and I, you know, part of that was that I, I always wanted to have kids. I wasn't uh, conflicted about being a mother. I really wanted to have kids and I really wanted to be an artist. And, you know, I thought I really want to have an MFA because I want to be taken seriously. And I want to 
take myself seriously as well. Yeah. And so, you know, I had my daughter, um, like a year and a half, about two years after I graduated with my MFA. So right away I was like figuring out what do I do? And also figuring out like, what do I do with these? I'll babies? have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So speaking of improvising within structure, right. I mean, there's nothing better right. than, than that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so I'm grateful for them all the time for so many reasons, but they really having kids has been the best thing because it's totally taken like, you know, this feeling of like, Oh, like it's taken the weight of myself off of myself. You know, it's just so humbling. It's this, um, it puts, it put, it put everything into perspective, like right away. Yeah. And it really freed me up in my work to take bigger chances to, not care as much to not take myself so seriously. And, um, it really like, you know, fast forwarded a lot of my process or progress, you know, at a time when most of the time you looking back at, or at first without as much distance. Now I was like, man, what could I have done in those three or four years when they were so little and I wasn't doing anything now I'm like, you did so much. Oh God. I know. Lot. And, and it's because you were forced to like, you know, cut out all, you know, cut out all the fat kind of, and get pretty efficient and trust yourself and make these decisions and move forward in a lot of ways faster. So I was trying to work in the studio as many hours that I could steal. And I said yes, a lot of almost all the time to opportunities, you know, to show in a coffee shop or to show in an alternative space because I was like, well, I can put that on my resume. That's a show. That is a show. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you think about it, putting it together and you write an artist statement. And, you know, you know, if you look at my CV, I said at the beginning, like they said, teach, be, get an MFA so you can teach. I've never taught. I didn't do any of that. So my, my CV is, it's exhibitions. It's just all showing like, that's where, that's what I've done. And and it's, you know, in the last few years become more official because I've been able to um, work with galleries and have representation. And I see that still as really being valuable. Um, it can make things more confusing sometimes because there's like social media and there's the internet and the computer that everything makes it so easy to sort of market yourself. But I still really believe in those, you know, connections and relationships. And um, I think there's still a lot you know, a lot of back and forth advantages for everybody. And so, yeah, so I was, I, I showed as much as I could and, um, you know, you know, looking back, approaching some galleries, I was like making the terrible faux pas that, that you talk about sometimes. <laughs> it's like, if you go into a gallery, don't say this. And I would like, <laughs> I had said that thing. <laughs> oh, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it, it is, it's a, it's a, can be, it's an yeah. intimidating world. And, and there's it not, is. there's not, I'm really grateful for the generosity and the information that you are putting out there so freely because um, it's really intimidating. And there's not like a playbook that says how you should do this. Even with an MFA in painting, I was just like a real doofus going into galleries and being yeah. like, Hey, I love those paintings in the front. You guys have abstract paintings. Do you want to look at my paintings? It's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> they're like, no, get out. <laughs> well, it's such a shame. I mean, it kind of infuriates me how 
in, you know, undergrad and grad school in art, they really don't talk about this stuff. I don't think and they know either. To I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's really mind blowing to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's such a disservice because yeah. then it sort of becomes intimidating, like you were saying. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. it, you, you know, and I think artists put all these other things on it and they sort of develop their own ideas of the way it should be instead of just like, no, this is a business. Like this person is running a business and it's, and, yeah. and, you know, and this business is selling art. You're not yeah. selling shoes or sinks or right. vacations. They're selling, you know, so it's, it's, um, and there, so there's all this mystique and intimidation that really doesn't have to be there. And then the, sort of like these 1980s ideas of like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, let's, you know, you've got to, um, you know, this is how it works and you've got to do this and these sorts of, and it's a lot of, it's just bullshit, but yeah. you know, it's just I mean, about building relationships, that. just relationships. Yeah, I say that. Yeah, I remember you saying that early on listening to one of your podcasts and I was like, she's right. Because if I look back at the gallery representation that I have, um, it's, and, and other great experiences, it's because of a great connection, a relationship. And you, you be, try to be a kind and generous person and be normal and, and (laughs) don't be a dick. And don't be a dick. That's about it. That out if you have to. It's the big secret. It's so true. And in fact, the, the way that you and I got connected was through one of my favorite painters, John. Yeah, one of my favorite people too. Yes. I actually have never met him in person, but I've been following him for a long time. And I've just, his painting, his work is just like, it just has all the best things about painting in every painting. And um, I'm lucky enough to have a piece of his. We did a trade and we've actually, uh, I, I like mailed him a few pieces on paper and we like, he like worked on them and we sort of did like some collaborative things. And um, I just love his, his stuff. And um, so we'd been like internet friends for a little while. And I knew that, I think I must've seen, I can't remember exactly how it went down, but I knew he was showing with you and he had nothing but really wonderful things to say. And (laughs) I was like, I know she's sort of out West and I would love to try to, you know, have some of my work out that way. And, um, but it's another, again, another great example of, you know, the world turns on um, trying to be a good person and make connections and be generous and be open and be ready. You know, that's the other good advice I got. A great artist, um, Kai Anderson, I remember asking her advice years ago and about sort of like advice on galleries and she's really successful. She works in New York and um, she's like, I always try to have like a studio in my studio, like the equivalent almost of an exhibition ready at any time, because you never know when, you know, a gallery who you'd sort of just been chatting with is like going to check in with you and say, Hey, a, a slot opened up next month. Can you, yep, that happens. Yeah. Are you ready? And that was really, really good advice. Cause that's also true, you know, to be able to say, even if it's just a piece in a group show, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you can, you're ready. You're ready for an opportunity when it comes, comes to you. Yeah. So I should mention it was John. It It, it is John Yogi Fort who were, who we were talking about who introduced us. Yeah. Cause um, yeah, he's one of my favorite painters and I um, still sort of, yeah. Don't represent him right now currently, but sort of, yes, sort of no. I don't know. We were like, but yeah, I did represent him for a long time and he's a dear friend. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Matter of fact, he gave us, uh, my husband and I, this, you know, one of his big, huge paintings that, you know, a couple of years ago. And 
Um, it was right before we moved to Santa Fe. And when we were house hunting, we literally were like, no, it's a, it's huge. I think it's like maybe 10, like 10 feet tall, like Amazing. 10 by seven or something. And we had to buy a house that had a wall big enough for that, you know, just for his painting. So of course I had to like give him shit about that. Cause it's like, your fault that we had done that. You know? to an artist's ears, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, thank you for not buying a piece of art to match your couch. <laughs> yeah. It was the other way around. Totally. Buy the house to fit the painting. Yeah. But it is all about relationships. It totally is. Like I was saying about your rug connection, you know, your friend Mm -hmm. with the last name of love, which we have to get married. So it can be, you know, tough love. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I mean, cause you never know, even if, cause I think lots of times artists think, oh, I just want to, you know, have relationships quote unquote with, you know, with gallerists or curators or interior designers or whatever direction they're going. And they're sort of overlooking like, no, you need to build a community of people that you're connecting with because that's that what, that's what makes up the art world. Not just, you know, it's, you know, the gallerists and museum people, but artists, you know, because it's so weird. It's gotta be like the only industry where artists are sort of like a second thought sort of thing. They're sort of always like sort of put to the side. Oh, you know, sort of poo-pooed, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy. And I mean, part of that is because, you know, once one piece sells the first time, you know, that person can sell it again, right. For like an ungodly amount of money. And the artist never sees that money. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's such a weird. Mm -hmm. um, It's a weird thing for artists too, because I would imagine a lot of people would say like, yeah, that's why I'm making visual art because I, I don't want it to be about me or it's sort of like, I can do what I want to do and feel all those feelings. And then it's, it's separate. You know, that's the focus is the work, not me, but there's, there's, it's a weird balance. There has to be some kind of a, um, it's still a human person. It's still, you know, that's made it. And that that's like surrounding all of this artwork. And so there's a lot to consider and a lot to go, to go in on it. Yeah. Yeah. Confusing. It's, 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 I often, I feel like, am I ever going to feel like, wow, am I going to ever stop like lesson learned? Okay. Well, that was a lesson. Okay. I guess I'm still learning. (laughs) Sometimes like that can be a little like disheartening because you feel like I don't always really know what I'm doing. But I think if you have as your sort of North star that you want to be a good person, you know, and it's all in service to this work and what you love doing, that's a pretty good uh, guide and how to like handle different, different situations, you know? Yeah, for sure. You have to keep um, evolving. Definitely. Yeah. And trying new things. Like you said, just being open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's, there's always something that's gonna, there's curve balls and. And also I, patience. That's the other word. That's what I was going to say too. That's another word that's been on my mind the last three weeks or so. And I'm trying to do better at that in the studio painting, like being more patient, like, okay, I, I did, you know, I, I got through your first few passes and painting's going somewhere, but I can't, I don't know. And so, you know, I can go work on something else. I'll, you know, I'll jump around to different pieces and then come back. And instead of being like, okay, I still am not sure. I'm just going to blow it all up. 
like, just wait, be a little patient, like make one, make this. I'm, I'm not usually a person who's like, make one little mark here, but I try to be open to like different materials and new materials. And I got these really nice, beautiful oil sticks that I wouldn't usually buy because they're so expensive, but I was at the store and it was 70% off and I was like, I'll try this. And um, I, I'm always trying to like work in this like abundance mindset. you know, I'm just like making smaller marks with these oil sticks and, uh, and seeing like, what just happens if I make this little move, like a smaller move and then wait, and then do another one and wait. And like, can you keep the painting alive, not lock it down uh, and, and do it a little more slow. And the, the patience thing goes to like have it's frustrating, but you don't always know where your next opportunity is going to come from. You don't know when the next person might you know, want to buy a piece or your gallery is going to call and say, guess what this piece sold? You have no idea. And it's really not in your control. And it's, it's hard to be patient sometimes and just say, it's okay. I can work. Yeah. To just keep focused and just keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are your, what are your plans? What are you, what are you hoping for or striving for in the future with your art career? Um, I love, I, like I said, my CV is like exhibitions and I, I love showing my work. So I just had um, in November, my last solo show was with Paige Bond Gallery um, in Richmond, Virginia. And um, she's lovely. She's been a gallerist for, you know, 25 years. And um, she has a beautiful gallery in Richmond. Um, and she's transitioning too. She's retiring and um, she's not going to have her physical space anymore. But um, that was such a lovely experience. And I learned, I've learned a lot from her in the few years that we've been working together. So, you know, I'm always sort of like looking to, we'll see when the next time I can, you know, have a show, love, love that. So um, working towards that. And then I also love doing residencies. Um, and there, there's one um, coming up for me. This all just happened like this morning. I'm so excited. <laughs> Um, but through a wonderful personal connection, um, I'm going to be able to do a artist residency in Cartagena, Colombia. Ooh. Oh, that's going to be so great. Yes. Oh my God. November. And I just cannot, cannot wait. That's really exciting. I mean, and talk about like having space, a specific space to respond to and a new location. And I really love the residency model. Um, and I've gotten, you know, being a parent, you know, you have like a week, you don't have time to sit and like smoke cigarettes and like, think about it. We're <laughs> like, go to work. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, no love that. I love it. No time to think, just don't think about starting, just go. That's yeah. some lyric or something that I've heard before, but anyway, that's, um, that's coming up and, uh, I'm just so excited about that and see what happens. That's great. Ooh, yeah. I've always wanted to go to Columbia. Oh Me my too. God. Me wow. too. Yeah. That'll be amazing. Nice. So, um, yeah. I'm just going to keep, you know, keep painting and being in touch with people doing, you know, do studio visits. There's a great community of artists here in Charlottesville, a lot of artists. And um, it's really wonderful to be able to have the studio visits and, you know, stay in touch and encourage each other. You know, that's, I feel like, you know, social media can be such a, uh, I but know. 
it's also so it can be also like the best of ourselves when you can encourage each other and uh online people you don't know and you're like wow you just got it with that painting that's amazing you know yeah. to be able to share energy like that because like, ultimately like those opinions mean so much you know what do other artists who I respect you know what do they what do they think of the work you know that's that that's really lovely and I value and appreciate people taking the time online you know on Instagram mostly to reach out and give encouraging words it's the best yeah um, yeah there's there's definitely good things about social media but I I think there's sort of like this universal like tiredness of it too yeah, at the same time you know sure. yeah there are yeah, you just said today I was listening. Um, you're talking about Instagram, and I think you're I think you're right, kind of saying that maybe there was like a few years where it was really advantageous and led to real life things. It's true for me, you know, like a curator. This was in 2019, and a curator in Australia, in Sydney, Australia, saw my work and had been following on Instagram for a little while, and eventually reached out and said, "I'd love for you to do a solo show," and I did, and it was awesome. And that was through Instagram. And uh, I think it's a wonderful tool for being able to communicate sort of the big picture really quickly mm-hmm. who you are and what your work is like and what it's about and the things you're doing. And it can be a real generous way to sort of get down in there. But um, it also, they want you to spend more and more time there and they're doing all these tricks and things to keep you on and, and it can make you feel <laughs> dead inside at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, it does kind of, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, but there's, there are good things about it, but there's just so many people on it now on Instagram. Like, you know, a few years ago, especially when it first started, like, you know, those, those artists who, you know, signed up as early adopters and, Mm -hmm. you know, and they got these huge followings and, you know, really did make a lot of careers, you know, but now it's like, God, there's so many people on there that the competition to just get attention to even just, you know, for two seconds of someone's attention is really difficult to do now. Yeah. And uh, some people are much better at it than others. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it doesn't, no matter what you're, what you're showing, you, it, it can, it matters if you're really. <laughs> yeah. Good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate you talking to me. This was a really like enlightening conversation for me. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of your work and I love what you have behind you right now. It's great. These are all, these are quarantine paintings from my, you can see them on my website. There's a link on that's like the quarantine studio. Okay. And I put all the work that I made, like in this shed basically is in that section on my website. It doesn't look like a shed at all. It looks like a super rad studio, actually, you know, just so, cause people, we see each other, but, um, but yeah, I'll put the link to your website um, in the show notes, you guys. So you can check out Sarah's work and you can also see it on artsy and at jentuff.gallery. But Sarah, this was great. Thank, Thank you so you, much ben. for joining me. So wonderful to get to talk to you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Okay. okay that's it. Ta-da. Awesome. Thanks, Jen.